everybody, this is Andy Polk. And this is Ben Shaw. And this is Bathwater and the Baby Jesus Podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about Paul. Uh, what uh, Christians today have generally done with Paul, and especially the emphasis on Paul versus Jesus, and, and how we wrestle with that uh, in our understanding of the Bible and our faith. Uh, I do want to say, as a, a disclaimer at the beginning, uh, we do uh, cuss a little bit. Uh, in this episode. Um, I don't think that's the end-all be-all of Christian morality, uh, but we do want to love and respect everyone and understand if that's upsetting to people. uh, Be prepared uh, or maybe skip those parts. All right, welcome back to the Bathwater and the Baby Jesus podcast. Uh, we took a couple weeks off, and we are back recording. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I texted Andy, and I was like, "Hey, let's talk about Paul." <laughs> and he's like, uh, well, "What part of Paul do you want to talk about?" And I was like, "I don't know. Let's just talk about Paul." Uh, so we're going to be talking about Paul today. Um, one of the things that I wanted to discuss with Andy was uh, Paul's ministry. Uh, how it got started, and how we as Christians uh, in the 21st century tend to uh, hang on to Paul's writings like uh, they were written by Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, as we've said in, I think, a previous episode, there's there's an aspect of this that when you look at modern Christianity, um, People would disagree with this, but in the things that we quote and what we do and how we organize generally our our religion, uh, I think Christians tend to prefer Paul over Jesus, um, right? We we yeah. tend to have a Pauline preference. I think maybe next comes David, uh, and then Jesus is the means to our salvation. So you don't really have to talk about Jesus that much, right? Jesus right. got us to the point we we are supposed to be at. That's right. And so Paul is the one who instructs us on how to do church, how to do faith in a way um, that somehow Jesus is absent from. He quite literally wrote the handbook on forming a church. Yeah, that's right. Yes, at least in the way. And I grew up actually that way, that, that yeah. my tradition, it was – the way we're supposed to do church now is exactly like the first century church. Um, which again, if that's the way it is, then Paul did a terrible job. I mean, right. If God wrote the Bible, God did a terrible job defining what was like the actual orders of the things we do in church are almost completely absent, but like you got to look through there and these seven verses combined are the only way to heaven somehow because you're doing church. Right. Yeah, so Paul is the Paul's better at that. Jesus doesn't really get to how to organize church or who's right and wrong and who gets in and how to do worship. Uh, Jesus talks about other stuff like the poor and oppressed and you know all of that stuff. That's just it's a downer. So <laughs> Paul's a little better. Yeah. So um, well, and that's and that's part of that is okay. So we make make some jokes about Paul today. Um, but there were certainly aspects of his writings that are beneficial and helpful. And, you know, there are certainly times in the scriptures where he talks a lot about the poor and oppressed and the, and how we are supposed to care uh, for the least of these. But he also talks about some corrections and some different things uh, with the letters to the different churches that he writes. So before we dig into that, let's just talk about Paul, or we can even go back to his Saul days. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, right. So the road to Damascus, mm-hmm. that was the big, um, you know, X. Well, let's see. Well, who wrote I about don't know that? What it would be? Yeah. So this is uh, Luke. If we give the general term of Luke for Luke Acts, right? Acts is Luke Part Two uh, that takes the same themes and uh, from that the Luke kind of wrote about Jesus and then applies them to uh, his disciples afterwards. Uh, so this is where we get Saul, who is a um, seemingly it's it, it gets a little complicated between. Uh, kind of Paul in Acts versus what Paul says in in some of the letters, but he was we know definitely that he was um, an Orthodox Jew. He was uh, incredibly uh, well educated. He studied under supposedly under Gamaliel, one of the the um, kind of best religious scholars of the day. Uh, and in his early times, he was persecuting Christians right throughout uh, Jerusalem and Judea. Uh, and then, yes, on the road to Damascus has this experience, right? If nothing else, the weird thing about Paul is he's the uh, one of the only clearly delineated, quote unquote, apostles there. Paul named some other apostles later on that we'll talk about, yeah. uh, including uh, seemingly pretty clearly a woman uh, that we'll talk about in a later podcast. But so apostle seems to be broadened more than we generally talk about apostles. Yeah. Um, but but. Seems to be accepted by the you know eleven right survivors yeah. of the, at, the twelve at, disciples at least that after, are there uh, after, after a period of years yeah. after yeah. three and maybe fourteen years or something and he and Peter almost uh, punch each other that's fun um, but right so so Paul is the one who primarily goes out and talks to Gentiles right non Jews and this was one of the biggest controversies of uh, the early church in the first few decades um, so that was. That was kind of Paul's mission. He was the weird apostle. He was the one who came later on. He saw Jesus, but saw Jesus after um, the resurrection and ascension, right? right? This image, but didn't walk with Jesus, didn't do the feeding of the people, didn't do the running away after sure. miracles, didn't do the, you know, being persecuted and, right. and that specific aspect during Jesus' life. Well, so also, Paul's the weird guy. And also, he. Uh, was actually the persecutor, right? Like he spent part of his time, yeah, uh, persecuting yeah. Christians for the. I'm, I'm not sure who it was. It the, the Jewish um, establishment. Yes, uh, it would yeah. be for yeah, yeah, the Jewish establishment, um, the the temple cult, right? Yeah. The the Sanhedrin, the the specific leaders, the Pharisees were a little outside of that. But you think the Sadducees were kind of the the temple cult authority, official authority, right? Yeah, it got it got complicated in the Jewish world, uh, but he was fine with all of them in some sense. Like he yeah. was, he was, a, is he called himself a Jew of Jews? Like he was yeah. the the best of the Jews. He kept it all. He knew it all. He did right. it, um, and he was the one that Christians were messing it up. Yeah, he was the Torah master. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he knew it all and had it all. Uh, it's interesting. What uh, I love trying to come up with scripture reference off the top of my head. Philippians, I think in three. Um, it's really the one of the 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 times that this would be interesting. I don't know if you know this. Paul cusses in scripture. What? Uh, this is part of our yeah false morality that we have. Uh, yeah, he he says the s word. I don't know. I guess we're not cussing on here. Um, but he said uh, the whole thing is there were these like wait, super wait. apostles. He says shut up. He says shut up. Yes, that's so the s word. You didn't supposed to say it out loud. That's right. <laughs> Sugar pants. Um, that he was 
Right, these these super apostles come along to the the church in Philippi, and they're supposed to be like these great religious leaders. And look at me, and he's like that one. He, he starts off with, "That's not what we actually do." The fact that they're doing that is pretty good proof they're not really following Jesus. That's right. not what we do. But also, if that's the comparison that you're doing, you want to compare it to me? And he goes through this list like I was, I was the best of the best. Um, I did it all right. I knew it all, understood it. I persecuted these people who were not doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I consider it all, the the English translations you have will say garbage or refuse or something like that. He says shit. Yeah. Um, that like there are, even in Greek, there are different words like we do. Feces and crap, right? We have different versions. He used the shit version. Yeah. He said it's all, it's it's just nonsense. Like it, right. I, I consider it garbage, right? That, I consider it shit. It's nothing. Because what you get afterwards, that's that's not what we do. So there's these, these profound aspects of Paul and the way that he views it of, yeah. I was religiously right and the best. And man, did I miss everything about faith in God. Um, so, and that becomes the core, I think, of a lot of his ministry. So how does Paul's description of himself before his conversion line up with Luke's description in Acts? Uh, it gets a little complicated. Um, part of it is just, part of it really is detail. So there's there's some aspect of what we call the you know the missionary journeys and I don't know do you ever have these where when I grew up like there was always some room in the church where they'd have like the maps that that oh, had yeah. of you know <laughs> Paul's missionary journeys in different yeah. colors and they oh, come yeah. through and we'd memorize and go through. Um, no, yeah, I didn't I have to memorize them. The, you were yeah. you guys were better Christians <laughs> well, than we were. Well, it's called Bible Bowl. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good at random Bible <laughs> now, I trivia. I could do sword drill. I could you know I could find verses quick. We did oh that. that's it. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. you color code into it. Yeah, so they uh, part of the issue is um, these missionary journeys that are listed in Acts. Paul, you can only really find two of the three in Paul and the way he talks about them. Uh, there's some discrepancies of um, his relationship with the the other apostles. Um, in his writings, he he has this um, this conversion on the road to Damascus, uh, and he he immediately goes and starts preaching like he's. He's says definitively, like I did not go up to Jerusalem, like I didn't right. do this. And but in in Acts, he goes to Jerusalem and he talks to the apostles. And then when he says he does eventually go to Jerusalem, he didn't talk to any of the apostles except for Peter. And then he hung out with James for a little bit. And it wasn't like fourteen years later that he ever actually goes back. But that's not the way Paul talks about it in his letters, right? So there are some discrepancies sure. there, um, although the, it's. To me, a lot of that isn't as big of a deal if you th- and there there are discrepancies in the gospels too, right? right? Was there one blind man or two blind well, men? Was and I, there and I think you know, that's the difference. It's not a yeah. big deal to you because you kind of have an understanding that scripture is inspired. It's not perfect. Yeah. And so I think that one of the issues that comes along yeah. is whenever you come across folks who believe that every word yeah. in the Bible was transcribed in English by God. <laughs> to yeah. us. Yeah. And, you know, well, it just wasn't. Yeah. And so whenever you come across these discrepancies, it kind of reveals the humanity in the writings. Yeah. And that's okay as long as you then approach other aspects of the scripture and realize that, that there's also humanity in those as well and that they were written by a person for a specific group of people at a specific time. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we've you know we've talked about this before, but I do think Paul is central in this understanding because um, it's really hard if you actually read Paul's letters versus Acts of the Apostles, right? And and not understand that there there are at least changes here, right? That that Paul changes as you see in the letters as we get chronologically. This is why scholars, biblical scholars are not sure that he wrote all the letters attributed to him, um, which in some sense we're, we're kind of fine with because the letter of the Hebrews for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years was supposed to be written by Paul. It right. doesn't have the autograph at the, at the beginning, Paul and Apostle too, um, but it was historically attributed to Paul. And then we all pretty much universally agree, well, Paul didn't write that. We don't know who wrote it, right? And we're generally okay with that just because we don't think about it sure. and don't read that letter very often. <laughs> um, I think that's part of it too. But also that we, there is an, an understanding here that if Paul is writing in his time and place, if Paul's theology changes, if Paul's ideas change, right? If there's a community that follows Paul and they, they write in Paul's, like all this stuff together, that somehow becomes the slippery slope of there is no faith. Um, and I understand that. I'm, I'm not diminishing that. Like these things are challenging and difficult as you sure. look at them. The thing that seems so weird to me is an idea of sticking to this concept of the Bible is the infallible word of God. That in some sense is okay, right? And that the, the Bible teaches us throughout time. Sure. But the idea that it was written Right, it's just taken over. These people are taken over by the Holy Spirit, and these are God's direct words to us. That's really hard to do with Paul, and Paul is the majority of the New Testament. Right, right. Um, I mean, it, I don't know how far it, you yeah. want to get into those. Well, and it's but very, it's very clear. Yeah, it's very clear. Sorry, didn't mean to mm. cut you off there. Um, that Paul was. I mean, right? He obviously addresses these as letters to people. Yeah. And so, I mean, you have to acknowledge that, and uh, you have to also acknowledge that whenever the uh, people who put the Bible together and canonized those letters, they knew and understood that they were written instructions to a church yeah. that he had planted, but. Uh, they chose to use those anyway because there was some helpful information that they felt was useful yeah. in in forming and planting and and giving instructions to the church on how to be a Christian, especially because they're coming from a culture that was strictly Jews and Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Like there was a clear line of delineation, and those lines didn't cross. Yeah, and so when you see Jesus start ripping around the borders of those lines, you know, and and the, the yeah, lines right. begin to, to blur a little bit, you then see Paul even taking that further with like, you know, circumcision and and uh, the diet yeah. dietary restrictions mm -hmm. and those types of things that he gives specific instructions on it. And that's helpful in forming the idea that, yeah, you're right, Jesus didn't just die for the Jews. Uh, there wasn't this um, ministry of sacrifice, uh, this not sacrifice, this ministry that he had wasn't just for a specific people group, it was for yeah. all people, uh, and that all people are equal and should be treated so. And Paul, you know, helps define that some. But then there's also some things that Paul says that aren't helpful and uh, are taken out of context quite a bit. 
Yeah, I mean the so part of the the difficulty is there's a distinction between Paul and what we do with Paul. This is true of of everything, right? There's a difference between um, of Luke's Jesus and what we do with Luke's Jesus, right? And when I say Luke's Jesus, I don't mean he's creating. I mean they they write for different right. purposes in a time. That's why we have four different versions, right? They're right. they're not trying to do the same thing. Um, for Paul, yeah, it's it's this aspect of he is if he's a person in his place and time, he's writing to people in his place and time. There's still incredible value aspects of this if he is a person that is close with God that that has um, you know quote unquote relationship with God right imbued with the Holy Spirit or whatever terms you want to use right if he has an understanding of God and is explaining that understanding to other people it takes us some work right we're not Greco-Roman citizens right in Asia right. Minor it's there's some differences. Um, but that in itself is, I think, the, the difficulty, the crux of the problem. It's a lot easier, as we said, if, if the Bible is a love letter to us, if it's instructions to us, right? Basically, if everything is about us, sounds great. I think Jesus was pretty clear that everything is not about you. The whole point, the freeing thing is that it's not actually just about you. It's about God working in the world, and you're invited to be a part of that. Right. I, I think Paul was perfectly fine with that. I don't think Paul disagreed with that. Yeah. Um, but it's the application of that that we take, and then we pull things off of it. Yeah. So, so what parts of those applications? What What have you heard? What have you struggled with? What are the aspects of this that that you've seen with Paul? So you know, I I feel like the things that uh, stood out to me the most growing up that I now recognize that were um, unhealthy applications of Paul's writings uh, were his verses on, uh, you know, homosexuality, his yeah. verses on women and leadership, mm-hmm. um, and the particular flavor of Christianity that I grew up in, yeah. you know, really hyper-focused on on a certain set of rules yeah. that are given and that those are – those are gospel. Those are the yeah. only, you know, ones that we were ever really focused on. There wasn't that, again, you know, I, and I don't want to just crap all over, you know, my religious upbringing because sure. there were lots of great aspects mm-hmm. of it. And so I don't hear me saying that. But the parts that stick out, the parts that really dug in that were just hammered over and over again are these that I still, you know, that I still remember. And, and unfortunately, they're the ones that I now – uh, disagree with wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I think that, uh, that 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 for me was was what I recognize mm. now uh, that I definitely don't agree with uh, yeah. as far as the application of his writings. Yeah, and I would say, so both of those are, are excellent points and uh, important aspects that I, I think we'll talk about probably whole episodes later on, yeah. right, of, of sex and um, right, which gets to, to purity culture and, and homosexuality and the, our seeming obsession with sex and, and sexual power and ethics uh, and uh, gender and the way that, that women are generally treated within churches, uh, I'd say somewhat versus the Bible, but, but 
there are Bible written in a time and place. Right. For the most part, right, women were, were treated as property, particularly in the Hebrew scriptures. And so how this factors in and what we do with the ethics. I think some part of this that is at least helped me with an understanding of Paul. One, as you've you've mentioned several times before, Paul's writing to people in his time and place. That actually helps tremendously in some of these issues that we'll get into in a more focused thing in later episodes. But there are concerns that Paul has in the time and place that he's writing to that some of those we take as sacrosanct and forever. Sometimes we say, well, that's like a, a cultural thing, right? So an instance, so we have, we like the ones that like Paul's saying, don't you know that these people will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now we ignore half that list because money is a big one of that and how you treat <laughs> how all this stuff. Right? We're not talking about those. We pick and choose. But Paul is also the guy who in Corinthians, where we get so much of our stuff from, said explicitly, why are you people getting married? Yeah. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back next week, folks. Like, it's happening now. And if not next week, in the next year, like, there's no way it's going to be longer than that. So don't get married because being married, you you worry about another person. You should. So don't do that because it's distracting. Just work in the kingdom of God now because Jesus is coming back soon. So we don't do that either with eschatology, fancy term for end of the world, nor do we do that with marriage. Yeah. I mean, I've I've never been to a wedding and I have heard those passages <laughs> preached. I've never even used those at weddings I've officiated, and I use some weird passages sometimes <laughs> uh, with people who want religious weddings. Right? There's we're, we're picking and choosing some of these aspects, and the answer is not hypocrisy. Right? It's not. It is true that we're picking and choosing. That's problematic. But if if that's a problem, how then do we bring this all together? to take aspects of this for our lives when we do not live in Colossae, right? That, yeah. that's, those are some of the, the key issues here um, that we, we kind of face when looking at Paul this way. Quick sidebar. Yeah. Was it a common belief among all of the disciples of that time that Jesus was coming back, like, soon? Imminent. Immediately imminent, yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is an aspect... Um, I mean, we can get into it here, this, because it's, it's a good transition. So one, yes, that seems pretty clear. Uh, and you have this as an understanding from Jesus, um, especially in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that um, right. Jesus says, I, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass until... Right. It seems like this is a literally this generation is what they took. The people who were alive then. Well, maybe right. some like the if you were like 78 and you yeah. die, like maybe you. But like yeah. if you're they literally went to kids through this. Yeah. Um, if you read because um, we just went through Pentecost Sunday, if you're right in a liturgical tradition, um, Peter's sermon at Pentecost is an eschatological sermon. He, people are like, well, what's happening now, right? You're speaking in these languages we can understand. And he he goes from Joel and says, in the last days. Yeah. 
right? It is literally, sure. this is the end of all things. And God already said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on everyone. God's spirit in, in kind of Jewish understanding was generally reserved for prophets, for specially defined people, right? In God's thing. Right. And now it's everyone. Everyone gets access. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It is an end of the world sermon. Yeah. That's what dwelled in the inner chambers of the Jewish temple, right? Was the spirit and of uh, the yes. presence yeah, of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so, the God can move in different places. Right. But it's, it's so not they, open they, to yeah. everyone. Yeah. And, and that's what the difference. But it's clear, Peter saying here, this is happening because this is the end of the world. Right. Jesus was right. Jesus yep. died. Jesus raised. This is the end of all things. Yep. Um, this is why Paul said, again, don't get married because you don't have it, right? This is because Jesus is coming back. It's, it's coming. happening immediately. Um, this is is part of why. Um, is that why we don't have wedding rites in the uh, <laughs> in uh, Paul's writings? Uh, yeah. I mean, he again, he wasn't opposed to marriage. He just thought it was a great distraction. You shouldn't uh-huh. do it. Um, yeah, again, yeah. I, I really want I want some wedding of like, you should not be doing this, but <laughs> I'm going to let you do it anyway, because apparently you're weak. Um, Paul, so Paul seems to somewhat change this understanding, and we have some understanding of what we see as early, the, the early scriptures and the ones that come later. Um, First Peter, right, which is pretty universally understood to be a later letter. Um, it seems to be direct, right? Some of you are saying, like, why hasn't he come back yet? Well, no, because God is patient and, and long-suffering and wants everyone to be saved, right? So we point to this. So they were clearly facing issues of people who weren't Christians, right. like, uh, you've been saying for 20 years that Jesus is coming back, and tomorrow, what's up, right? Yeah. Um, and it's so that's, tomorrow. It's an issue. Yeah, He's turns not here. out, not yeah. here, yeah. Uh, and we're long after that. Paul seems to, in some letters— be pretty clear that this is imminent. This is happening now. It's gonna. Right. It's gonna be tomorrow. It's, um, and then when you get other letters, uh, we call the pastoral epistles, are the big things that it seems to be like. Well, not literally coming back, but yeah. like you got right. There's the well, just in case it's not tomorrow. Here's some things that you can do. Well, it's not even that clear. He doesn't yeah. do a I was wrong or we are right. not sure now. It doesn't seem to be the same thing as Peter. It seems to be like from the from the jump, hey, we know that this is a spiritualized coming and we're not having right. And this is why some scholars, uh, we don't get into full critical introduction stuff here, but um, so you know, so a, a lot of scholars, especially secular scholars, believe that not all of the letters, as we said, were written by Paul. Right. And part of the delineation is these things. There's there's major differences in vocabulary and in well, and didn't syntax. he also use a scribe? It's it's possible, but this is what I find so fascinating. Yeah. Again, don't worry. So it, it's clear sometimes he used a scribe, manuensis, the uh, someone who's writing it down. Right. But even that is straight. That is a direct challenge. If we say yeah. that we use a scribe. But if so, if Paul is this is not a dictation, right? If the scribe has enough authority, right, role, freedom to change vocabulary and grammar, right? If it's literally their writing and these are like the notes from Paul, right? Well, again, this challenges the like the Holy Spirit sitting on his shoulder saying, Write this down. So, did the Spirit sit on Paul's shoulder and then Paul said it and then the He's, scribe yeah. and then he said on the scribe it, whatever shoulder. he want yeah, yeah. and if yeah. so what would be the difference here in the same way that um more conservative scholars will say no well no they're all from Paul which is perfectly fine it's possible they're all from Paul but the explanation is because well people change over time Paul's theology changed 
um, his understanding of the Holy Spirit, his understanding of Jesus but, and Jesus' godhood, right? Theology changes. But here's the problem uh-huh. with that argument. If Paul's theology can change, why can't yours? And does that mean God's theology changed over time? Or Paul's right? understanding or Paul's of under, Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It has to be Paul here. If right. Paul's theology changed, then what we're getting is Paul's theology. Right. We're not getting the Holy Spirit dove just, I don't know, somehow creeping through his ear and making him say stuff. Um, right? That changed. And if, if it changed, well, then the next question will be, so does like the last part, is that the best? Like, did it always get better? And if that's true, why do we talk about First Corinthians so much? Because that was pretty early on. Right. Shouldn't we be talking about like First Thessalonians? Because yeah. that's if, later on. If it changed, then what's yeah? What what and cancels what? Better. But, yeah. yeah, that's right. So is it just over time it improved? Well, if so, then why do we right? So these ideas beg all these questions right. that we don't generally address or, or have. Not because people are stupid. Because one, everyone's going to be a biblical scholar, and they don't have to be. They shouldn't be. Right. We live right. our lives. But it comes back to. These are Paul's letters. And it, but it's it is I think the responsibility of people who have training in leaders, this yes. and leaders not to ignore it. To not ignore it mm-hmm. and to address and uh, come up with I mean part of the job of preachers is to come up with ways to take these big theological ideas and put them in layman's terms uh using, you know, three-point that's sermons right. and illustrations. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the responsibility of Christian leaders is to acknowledge and recognize these things and not just dig in so hard and so deep that you'll never pull your head out of the sand because if you do, then you have to acknowledge that maybe something changed or maybe you had something wrong. Yeah, or simply that it's really complicated and messy and difficult. I, I think that's the aspect that is so... I mean, well, I, it, and it's, it's hard, tempting. but it's hard to get to that place, especially when you grow up with a certain when you're certain. Oh, that's that, yes, that yeah, you yeah. have all the yes. answers, and, and you're so supposed then, to. Yeah, yeah the certainty then, is the point. And then you get to this point, and you're like, well, well, now I'm not so certain. What do I do now? Yeah, and I, and I think that giving people the language that it's okay, that's yeah. okay, that to that's not right. know all the answers, it's okay to have doubts to to rest. Your favorite word, wrestle. wrestle. With the, yeah. Hey, and I'll 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 cut you some slack. Mm-hmm. I heard that term in at least three other theology podcasts in the last like month. So that's good. Yeah, it's it's not original to any of us. Yeah. Israel's literal name is wrestles <laughs> with God. <laughs> Jacob's name was changed to wrestling with God. It's yeah. pretty core in uh, yeah in the tradition. That's so. I, the, Andy's tidbit for the day. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. So, yeah, I mean, my my reference before of that of it being messy that that is not it's it's not a criticism of as you said the the laity right through it is a criticism referencing those the religious leaders yeah. who may have been taught this and even then that gets complicated right because sure. are you part of a tradition that you go to seminary and study any of this or is it just you have a you I mean literally and that's not a bad thing you have yeah. a good heart you love people. You love the word, the Bible, right? So you start preaching and you're going through. I think there's some aspects of that that are helpful and beneficial, but it becomes compounded in these in institutions. Yeah, but whenever you not have the not knowing, no training and no yes. understanding, and you take upon yourself to be a leader of people and you claim to have all the answers, that is a problem. Oh, yeah. Yes, and and yeah. that, unfortunately, that's where gets- unfortunately, that's the basis for 
you know, probably half of the megachurches that were formed by very charismatic leaders yeah. were formed with this charis- uh, charisma first mm-hmm. and then exodus later. And yeah. it's like, what, what you can't do that because then you can't go back on what you've already hardline yeah. dug in with. Yeah. I'm and thinking I think, Mark Driscoll is who I'm thinking sure. about. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot. He, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and there, but there are a lot of other people who, who formed out of that Acts 20, I think Acts 29 network yeah. and all of that. And, and, and there's also a lot of people who aren't like that from that same group. So I don't, I don't want to just crap on anybody or anything, but I think it is fair to point out that there are, large portions of Christianity who follow uh, leaders who have zero training in interpreting or uh, looking at the uh, writing and the historical translations, the context of the Bible. Yeah, and so all of this becomes compounded of the, the two things that part that we've we've at least broached one this idea that the core of christianity becomes certainty becomes again belief which is a thing i have in my head right it's a logical assent to ideas right um in that case i think that's why we prefer at least part of the reason a large reason that we prefer paul so much to jesus why we teach about paul because paul teaches ideas right if he's writing to a people who's doing it afterwards the gospels we get narratives Right. I mean, we we may kind of like the stories a little bit because then you can kind of preach and teach. But the, the problem with a lot of those, right, the parables is only some of them are explained and the others still seem pretty weird. And so we're all still kind of guessing. And yeah. it seems to be the point of. Right. It's almost like the writers confusion. Didn't get it. We're going to yeah. write down what he said. Or no. I mean, I, I think. Yes, I think there is part of that. I also think it seems pretty clear for reading the narratives through that the confusion is the point. What Jesus is doing is taking what they already had grounded religious beliefs. Right. And he took those and said, so what about this? Does that make any sense? Right. The confusion sometimes is the point. It's not to have a point that I'm like, okay, I get that. I believe that. I have it. Right. Sometimes it's it's the struggle. Right. Right. That's what it is. Again, I think Jesus is pretty clear on this. He ends the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke. Um with the the idea that he who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a person who built their house on, right? It is not hear and believe necessarily. It's hear and put into practice, and the belief yeah. comes with that, right? There's long Christian traditions of this. Yeah. So I think part of it is the, the, the certainty aspect of this. We want things to be certain. We like belief. We like it's comfortable. That's right. And And that other aspect is the flip side of that, of in a personal level the uncertainty as we both know as i I think i would guess a lot of our our listeners know is incredibly unsettling and chaotic and probably right this well think about the times in your own lives that just remove religion from it and it's the times when you don't know maybe you have someone who a family member who's sick and you don't know you're waiting on a diagnosis or a test result and that that unease that um anxious feeling of not knowing so of course that can certainly apply to your understanding of god and and his nature in the world and especially if that is something that you grew up finding very important and and you like Uh formed your life around you know following these certain 
exact ideals and teachings, and then you find out that um, and typically, I, I know I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for others. You know, for me, it was a a couple of a couple of moments in my life that really shook my understanding and my certainty. Yeah. And it was the 2016 election. Yeah. And it was uh, the develop, and I think I talked about this before, but it's the development of a of, of a friendship with a homosexual man, mm-hmm. and uh, those two things began to just crumble the foundation of my understanding. Yeah, because they didn't fit. It they, doesn't no, make sense. all of a sudden yeah. these uh-huh. things that I was like, yes, this is we're mm-hmm. on the we're on the right path, and then it's like, wait. No, that doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. And so it took these massive events for me. And so I know that there are people out there who have experienced those. Mm -hmm. And I I was speaking with a friend and his was, um, you know, he was a social worker and was working with with children. And uh, it took seeing how these children's lives are, minimized in this system uh, because they are poor mm-hmm. uh, they're co- coming from uh, minority communities yeah. and they're just kind of marginalized and pushed to the side and the priority level for care for them was so low that it just it broke his heart and then all of a sudden you know he was like well, wait a second this doesn't this doesn't line up with the, the Christian teaching that I was taught where Poor people are just poor because they're lazy and they, yeah. you know, they don't have. Yeah. And so, you know, I, there's lots of examples, and I'm sure lots of people have experienced, you know, and sometimes it's just a, an erosion over time of these little things that can happen as well. Yeah, sometimes learning, sometimes life experience, sometimes crisis, right, yeah. or transitions. Right. Um, that what the way you think the world works suddenly you realize it doesn't work that way or the way you think you fit into the world or your world yeah. which it doesn't is super fit. scary it's incredibly scary incredibly yeah. disconcerting but what i think we need to realize on both ends of this one we need to acknowledge that i mean that's it's sure. a difficult thing but it's why i say I, i've said it before i say this to the pastors all the time that is the great temptation of the church we know that that unsettling is there yeah and so that's a bad sell. It's not just a hard sell. It's a bad sell, oh, yeah. right? Come here, and the way that you think <laughs> the world works, I will tell you of another way. Yeah. I, uh, and then we're going to go try it, and you're going to fail constantly. You're, yeah. you're not going to have it right. But we're going to come back together, and we're all failing, and we're failing together, and we believe that God somehow works with all of that. To me, that is the core truth of the gospel. That is what this is the only sure. thing, in some sense, churches are for. In that, I think we worship God together. But churches exist for people who are trying to live out the gospel this way and doing it so very badly, but we don't have to do it alone. Right. And so we have the community we with it and we know. Is, is this, you only Certainty. uplift, That's you right. only give the, and, and certainly uplifting sermons and messages are helpful and can be, but if that's the only message that you ever hear, um, it kind of just unspoken or, or by means of omission, um, says that that everything is hunky dory. Yes, and sometimes I think that's intentional from people. Sometimes, honestly, I think it's because we are a part of a system that we have created, or at least allowed to continue to create. I, I know I know too many um, religious leaders, right, pastors, preachers, whatever, who who know and understand all of that, but 
But I get these people for 15 minutes in one hour of the week. Well, depending on your tradition. Depending, it, yeah, sure. It could I mean, be 45. Triple it. It's yeah. Not, yeah, it still doesn't. Yeah, that's right. You have a, oh, man. I went to one that was, the sermon was an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And I, anyway. Um, and that's right, the, the only thing you remember from that sermon was how long it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are, that's a, that's a hard, if you, I care about these people, right? I'm, sure. I want to help them. I want to move them. And this is what I mean, a temptation. I don't think, for some people, it's clear they know. Right. Sure. It is manipulation. It is self-aggrandizement. It is these people like me and they like me better if I say this. So we do that. Even that's the unconscious part. But it's still about sure. them. There are other people that they they care about people. They don't want to see people upset. They don't want to take a foundation away from people. But that propagates itself continuously. Right. And so. You just don't say and bring up these things because it's going to be a problem. But you got to say something. So what happens is we self-reinforce these ideas of, well, belief is the idea. And we know and we're good and God loves you. It's about you. And it it comes through because people like it. And if I want, sometimes I want people to like me. Sometimes I just like them and want them to not feel this hard thing. I want them to feel better. Sure. Um, and, And what we get is, I think, something that's away from... Uh, it, it's very, very difficult to do this way of Jesus that seems to be just yeah. desperately trying to move and act in the world and then coming together and saying, man, what'd you do? Oh, oh I don't know. Uh, well, maybe we try, right? There, yeah. there seems an I aspect of this. I walked right past the yeah. person that needed help. Uh, yeah. Or, and, or I tried to help them, and it turns out I was being a condescending ass. Yeah. Or... Um, I, we're just cussing this episode. We'll put a disclaimer at the beginning. Look for that, apparently. Um, or I thought this was right, and I thought I was helping them, and I thought I was trying to give some type of comfort to them, to this person who I love who just lost uh, their son. I don't I don't know that I helped at all. Yeah. I just sat there. I didn't. Well, right. There's some stuff that is not right or wrong. You just don't know what's right or wrong. And you're just trying and you go through all of this comes together. I think yeah. that's the real human stuff. Right. I'm not sure the way that we have created religious institutions not only facilitate that very well, I, yeah. I think they tend to move in the other direction. Yeah. And one of the one of the big things that I, I like to harp on with uh, especially when it comes to churches, is I feel like if you're not equipping people to exit the building and do something, then you're you're not you're 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 missing a large aspect of what it means to to be a follower of Christ, because that was kind of his whole his whole deal, right? He was pointing out the the flaws, pointing out the flaws in the system, uh, pointing to yeah. this idea of caring for others. Uh, and then trying to teach people, you know, that you you don't have it figured out. You don't you don't know what you're doing, but that's okay. Just you go, don't have to. Just you're go okay. do it. Yeah, that's just right. Go, just yeah. go do it. And so you know, we have uh, resources that we can try to equip people yeah. to approach. You know, helping others. For you gave the example of of consoling someone who just lost their son. Yeah. You know, if, if you approach that. With a um, with a, an idea that you're just trying to be there for that person mm-hmm. and love that person, and you may say something just 
stupid. Like, just the dumbest thing, yeah. the worst timing, the cringe. You look back and you're like, why did I ever say that? But if you're actually there with, from a place of love, the person probably will not remember the stupid thing that you said. They'll just remember that you were yeah. there with them. And, and so that's where you can reflect on these failures. Um, reflect, uh, failures might be harsh, but reflect on these moments where, wow, maybe I didn't do that right, but it's okay because I was, I was just trying to, to be a good person. Yeah, and that's, I think that's a, a helpful illustration of this, right? There's some things that I would say you shouldn't say in those situations. Number one being, God wanted your so-and-so more this than This was God's plan. Yeah, God's, God's plan. It's going to be okay. But what I find with that, I, I do think, I don't. I think those are theologically wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But th- that actually is not the key to that aspect of this. When it comes to grieving, for the most part, sure. I find when people say that, they say that because it's an awkward situation. They feel bad, and they want to say something so that they, they feel, feel better. better about the situation. Yeah. The reality is you're not going to say something to make them feel better. You can be there. The, I mean, if you've lost people, right? You you have this, and you know it. Most you don't remember what people say for the most part, unless sometimes it's it's yeah. something that's really upsetting. In that instance, you remember who's there. Sometimes it's sitting with. Sometimes, but sometimes, guess what? You're the person that you're not going to help them. You can't. You don't have that relationship, or it's not the time. But you yeah. show up. But I'm here for you. And if me just passing through, waiting in line for thirty minutes, and saying I'm so sorry, uh, I love you. I'm. I'm praying for you. I can't imagine what you're going through, um, but I'm, I'm here for you if you need anything. That's it. And then you go and you yeah. did nothing. You don't feel better. You don't have. But it's not about you. It's about that other person. Right. That that's a pretty good key, right? That's something that I think we can we can figure out as. Right. If there's a rule, it's that. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about it's not them. About you, you still exist, but you're not doing it. For for yourself to feel better, right. you're doing it to it be is, with that person. It is that's it. basic it's okay. human nature to try to make yourself feel it better in that is, situation. Of and and so that's okay, and that's gonna be your natural. It doesn't instinct. make you a bad person. It no. makes you a person. That's but what we yeah, do. and we're that's all right. people, and we all make mistakes, and and that's okay. But I think it comes down to this core understanding, this this core um, place where. When you approach a situation like that, are you approaching it for you or are you approaching it for them? Yeah. And and that can apply to multiple scenarios. Like I, for instance, have really been trying with my kids to not my first reaction to not be, well, let let me what happened? Let me fix it. Mm-hmm. My first reaction that I'm trying to be is like, what happened? Yeah. And then that's uh-huh. it. And then just listen and uh, try to make them feel heard. Yeah. And and I don't, I'm not great at it. This yeah. is a new thing I'm trying. Yeah. But I have seen it work a couple of times, and it's mm-hmm. and it's been like later. My oldest something happened, and and I just said, I I see that you're upset. Mm-hmm. I see that you're upset. What's wrong? Yeah. And and he told me. And I was like, usually oh, it's yeah. like, uh-huh. I, you're upset. You need to get over it. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah, to your Stop room. doing that. Yeah. Stop being right. that way. And, then uh-huh. it, and so I'm yeah. like, wow, that probably works in multiple scenarios, yeah. not just here with my kids. But, okay. So we've ventured away from Paul just, just a little bit. Um, and uh, and that's okay. Uh, well, let, let, me, let me try this to get us back to it. 
that I, I think really it's just circling back around to the same thing. What we're talking about with Paul, the, the theme seems to be this idea of certainty or not. Right. right? That um, I, I think, again, this is why we generally prefer Paul and maybe David. David is just, David becomes a lot of why Christian nationalism stuff and masculinity and we're fighters and we're doing all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. We're beating our chest (laughs) and we're big, but, um, and Jesus doesn't do that. Right. Jesus is turning other cheek, which is actually defiance, but a nonviolent. Yeah. Like he gets, he gets mad. Yeah. It's uh, not right. Oh, but he flipped over those tables in the temple and he did. Um, he flipped over the tables in the temple, the ruling central religious authority, and said, you are polluting everything, right? That's not the question of, like, we've got to make sure we're not like the temple, right? That's yeah. not our thing. It was like, see? I beat the crap out of you. Jesus turned over the tables. <laughs> it's I used that to teach, type of stuff. I used to teach issue. that in, in this Bible, Bible study with some seventh graders, and uh, to help them remember it, I would I would call him Hulk Jesus then. <laughs> Hulk Jesus, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> then, he hulks out. He hulks out and flips tables, makes whips, and <laughs> chases but people I, out of the temple. I think the Jesus, uh, fancy word here, inculcates. He, he creates, uh-huh. he moves within us an uncertainty that is freeing, right? I mean, we've talked about this so many times, right? This idea that... That you, that God loves you like everyone else. That God is moving in the world and invites you to participate in the kingdom of God. You won't know what to do, but that's okay because you're active and participating. And once you start participating, you understand freedom. That's what Jesus offers. It's not that Paul doesn't offer that. It's that Paul is a person writing, again, in this place and time, two people that are like, what the crap are we doing? In some sense, what we get from Paul's letters is this thing I'm talking about of church, of... Yeah, we're trying to figure it out, but we're still people we're going through. So Paul comes and and hears about them, right? I've been with you. I know you. We have a relationship. I stayed with you for nine months. And then I hear that you are, when you take communion, you're not waiting for people to get off to work. It's a class system. This is one from 1 Corinthians, right? You're doing, what are you doing with communion? You're. You have a class system for communion. You eat and get your fill and people can come, whatever, because they're the poor and they're going to have. That's not what the kingdom of God is. You're all the same. And so you manifest that. You make it look that way. Right. It's going to look different in different places. But here, that's what it is. But the thing that is is profound about that, it gives us some type of, okay, well, this is a rule. This is a thing we're supposed to do and we're not supposed to do and we go through. But the other aspect that I think is good to remember is that the people Paul is talking to are not powerful. They're not influential. They are living within an incredibly powerful, oppressive society. Yeah. And in those letters, even these ones, the list that you said that we really like, right? One of the kingdom of God. Paul does not do the what about, right? We love the what abouts. Well, yeah. well this is bad. Well, what about they do? What about what they do? Paul doesn't be like, listen, I know... I know you're messing up there, but listen, have you seen what these Romans are doing? Have you seen what they do at the temple? Have you seen what they do? Right? It's not that. It's saying, no, this is who you are. You live in this circumstance, and you're struggling to figure out what you can and cannot do. Right? Right. I go to the temple. That's actually literally where we get the meals. Mm -hmm. Can we eat that food? Well, he and the apostles fought about it, right, in Acts 15. He talks about in Galatians, right? This is Mm -hmm. the thing you were saying before. Do we have to be Jews to be Christians? Right. Paul says, "No. no, 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 no. Well, then the question is, well, 
but if I don't have to be a Jew, y'all are set apart. I've been doing this the whole can I still do that? What can I participate? What not? Well, then it becomes right the ethical code. How does it treat people? How do we? Yeah. It's still complicated. Yeah. If wait, but I, I'm Gentile. I've eaten this my whole life. But I'm a Christian now. Yeah. I, am I not supposed to eat it? Can no, I eat you it can eat yeah. it. But but when you eat it, don't do it. Yeah. That's no, that's human stuff, right? We're right. asking these questions that Paul thinks they've messed up. They had. It's an application of the Jesus stuff. That's all we're reading. Right. The application of it. What we want, it's it actually is generally uncertain. If it's an application of the Jesus ethic in the world in that time and place, it's an incredibly helpful, beneficial thing. I, I do, I'm not a Greek, Greco-Roman citizen in Colossae, right? It's a different thing. But if I can take something from it, that communion issue, what times do I perpetuate a class system in my life mm-hmm. in which without thinking or caring about it, I go and do this and I step by and I walk by and I have and right that's that's yeah. an application thing. those those aspects matter. Um, I, I think that is both a more faithful and a freeing aspect. It's just not certain. Yeah. And we really want certain we want rules. We we want Jesus to just take a lot of it back. <laughs> like just really it's just easier. I yeah. like it better. It's easier with rules to follow and and most especially to know that I'm right and righteous. Yeah. And the Jesus ethic says you're not. You're not right and righteous, but you are loved. That's right. You're okay. You're good. God, that sucks. Yeah. It's not as good, right? right. I mean it is. It's better. Yeah, but not. It's not as easy. It's not as clear. It's, yeah. it's not as straightforward. It's, it's That's not it. as easy. It's better. It's and, not as easy. And I don't think and it doesn't that, make me feel immediately as good as it does to be so self righteous compared to all these people who don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you step back, no one knows what they're talking about. And so, by their fruits, you will know them. That's correct. I mean, this is part of it, right? Yep. Just look at people's lives and you'll see. It's another Jesus thing, right? Yep. But it, those are actions, the way I live my life, not what I say I believe. Right. Look at my life and you'll see what I believe. That is wonderful and horrible, right? Yeah. I like it's wonderful when I look at other people and I can talk about their hypocrisy and they don't really know. But it's the same thing, right? The, and, and for listeners, if you understand this too, you don't know us, right? I mean, I guess some of you could. Um, thanks, Mom, for listening. But <laughs> this is not – there's no point where you get to be, those Christians are wrong, I'm a better Christian. If you ever get that, then we're off again, right? It's yeah. not about being real and true Christians, better Christians. Doing It's just desperately trying to live this way. Yeah. But there is, there is a problem when people – in the name of Jesus, are espousing an ethic that that seems to be completely contradictory, not in line with, contradictory to the ethic of Jesus. Coming back to Paul and Jesus, nothing ticked them off more than that. Yeah. But the, the standard was the people, how those ideas affected people, how right. they treated people, how their lives treated people. I, th- I think that's our standard. It's our fruit. Yeah. And that... When we realize that, I can feel really good about pointing to those other people and feel better about myself. But the the immediate thing is I have to say, well, what am I doing? Right. How am I treating them? Am I even dehumanizing them when I say you're dehumanizing the other people? I can't do it. I'm not allowed. Right. And well, that's so, not that's not our place. Our our place is to just 
be be good people, love people. Yeah. And beyond that, that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but you have to do that in action. Yeah. Yeah. Doing it in action is the hard part. I don't fully know how to love people in action. Yeah. I can say I love you. Sure. But treating you in a way that I love you, I don't know. Because sometimes that's, I think this is wrong. Right. You're not a demon. You're not, you know, you're not. That man, demon talk has popped up a lot now, too. Um, but there's. That's, that's another episode. It is another episode. I may need to. But yeah, this this becomes the heart of the ethics. It's not, I don't think Paul is contra Jesus. Yeah. I think we don't like Jesus that much. And our versions of Paul are easier. I I don't like Jesus that much. Jesus messes up the life I want to have. Sure. He just says that because that's not the life that you were created to have. That sucks. Sure. It sucks. So my my key of this, I'm sure I've said on here because this is like wrestling. There's my polkisms that I say all the time. (laughs) If the people who literally follow Jesus right including his disciples the closest ones these paragons of our faith didn't get jesus didn't like jesus reprimanded jesus and abandoned jesus if we hear jesus and are like that's my guy yeah it's easy if it's simple if we have it if it's not continuously i don't know how to I, this doesn't make sense i don't know what to do with it then we have a jesus of our own making yeah and i think most of the time that's paul our version of Paul's Jesus, yeah, who who is living up there in the clouds and says some things that you're supposed to believe and do, yeah, and we can know if we're right and good or not. It's just not. It's not Jesus, and yeah. I don't think it's Paul either. I don't think that's Paul's Jesus. No, I think it's our version of Paul's Jesus. We get three yeah. steps removed, and so we feel pretty good about it. That's right. Yeah, us Paul Jesus God. Yeah, I got God. <laughs> well. I think that uh, we've put a bow on that. That's good. Uh, I want to end on just a funny quick thing. Uh, earlier, you were we were talking about this last week was Pentecost Sunday. And part of my responsibilities is to come up with graphics for our sermon series. Ooh, yeah. And I, that's my one opportunity to flex my graphic design <laughs> skills that I went to college for uh-huh. and don't use anymore. Um, and so I was looking up some imagery for the Holy Spirit and the, the Pentecost Sunday. And, and, and typically the Holy Spirit is representative with the dove and then Pentecost is kind of this flames, reds. Yeah, yeah. Also. And so I found this drawing of a flame with a dove on the inside of it. <laughs> and the title of it was Flaming Pigeon. <laughs> and I just lost my mind because it was the funniest thing. That is awesome. That I had yeah. said. Yeah. So there's your fun anecdote. Holy Spirit moves. I'll see on the flaming pigeon. The flaming pigeon. So next time you uh, see an image with a flame and a pigeon or a dove, (laughs) it's a flaming pigeon. There's a pigeon on fire. Well, well, as always, we do hope that you uh, enjoyed our conversation this week. And uh, we would love to hear from you. If you want to reach out, you can email us at babyjesuspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at babyjesuspod. And uh, we would love to hear some feedback. If you have questions or topics you'd like for us to cover, uh, please send them to that email address. Again, that's babyjesuspodcast at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody.